and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with a fantastic guest. But before we get to him, I'm going to give you a quick update on me. I'm doing stuff, and you'll see it soon. It'll all be on the website and Facebook and all that good stuff. Uh, but my guest today is one of the most hardest working people I've ever seen. I've been wanting to get him on the show for a long time, and I'm really grateful to get an opportunity to do it. Jim Eskimen has been everywhere. He's done all the things, and we're going to get into as many of them as we can in the time we have. Let's welcome Jim to the show. Jim, how are you doing? Real good, Scott. Thanks so much for that kind introduction and for having me on your show. Absolutely. It's a real pleasure. We've, we've tried this before, but we couldn't get it scheduled, unfortunately. So I'm really grateful to get some of your time in this beautiful vocal booth that you've built. Oh, thank you. I, I didn't actually build it, but I did I did purchase it. <laughs> well, that's half the battle. <laughs> that's half the battle, yeah. I had yeah. some big, strong men come in here and put it together. They, they do it every day. I, you know, I, I, uh, Unfortunately, for better or for worse, there's a thing called Meskimen's Law. I don't know if you know. Like Murphy's Law, there's a Meskimen's Law. Mm -hmm. And it's there's never time to do it right. There's always time to do it over. There and unfortunately, go. that in my case is extremely true. And so I don't uh, tackle huge things that uh, that might be easily done by others right the first time. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It does. But you also learn from those things along the way. And maybe you can take something from that experience. And then the next thing that you go on to do or something down the road will be easier because of what you've learned this time. Well, that's a very charitable way of looking at it. And I, <laughs> I'm going to give that a try. <laughs> I try to be optimistic when I can. Very it's a little difficult yeah. sometimes. Uh, is it? Does it get really hot in there? Because it seems well, like you're, it would. It has a little air conditioning unit. So it's it's cool. It's nice oh. and quiet. Yeah, and I do my I do my Colonel Sanders in here. You know, I'm the voice of uh, Colonel Sanders uh, for the KFC brand. I've been doing that for about six years or so, and so I just sit here just as happy as a clam. And uh, you know, you do my voiceovers and say fingers looking good. And uh, well, it's, it's a it's kind of a nice day job. Okay, I'm so glad that you brought that up. That was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. When when you uh, you have an amazing list. I, I watched your your clip uh, of you doing Bohemian Rhapsody, talking through with multiple actors that were just being thrown at you in, in voice. And I thought it was just fantastic. But when you're learning uh, a character, like let's say Al Pacino or Christopher Walken, you have a certain amount that you can study from them and you can kind of see them and get their gestures and their inflections. With a, with a character like Colonel Sanders there's there's very minimal to work off of. Was that really a character that you kind of had to design how you wanted him to be? Well, no, I, I don't think there is minimal uh, material to work from because first of all, well, I grew up in the 60s. Colonel Sanders was on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, when the audition came up, I was like, man, I you know, there's no way I can get this guy out of my head. And I, I know what I have to do to produce that sound. Uh, but now on YouTube, you can find hours of Colonel Sanders stuff uh, the real the real great thing for for an impressionist, and I'm sure Rich Little would say this or any of your you know your great ones, is that the best thing is to be in the room with them, to actually be in person, to go see them in a play, mm -hmm. or if you're lucky enough to actually have a, a little you know conversation with them, because there's so much to a person. Like even even you and I right now, I mean, we're getting a certain slender channel of each other's personalities. You know, it's it's rich you know, as far as, as so far as Zoom can provide. But uh, you know, if we were together, we'd get a whole lot more information from one another, and and that's that's really what any impressionist is kind of going for. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I had the pleasure of seeing Rich perform in December here in Vegas. The Tropicana oh, is yeah. about fifteen minutes from me. Fantastic show. <laughs> 
uh, I was a little worried that it was going to be dated, you know, that it was just going to be uh-huh. Ronnie and Johnny Carson. But he had some modern people in there. He really mixed it Did up. He? Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, uh, next time you're in town, if you get a chance, go see it. It's it's worth. You know, it. I, you just made me realize why why the hell don't I go? <laughs> I really, I've met Rich a couple of times now, and you know, we're not we're not companions or friends or anything like that. I, I would be happy to be his friend, but um, uh, but I never even it never even occurred to me to just hop on a plane and, and go see a show, which I I will plan to do. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. I'll go with you. Okay. Uh, now you you do a great Al Pacino. Have you had a chance to to? Now I know you were in a project well, with Al, but you didn't know, a lot of people might disagree with you there, Scott, because uh, you know there's been a lot of criticism, okay, of my Pacino. Uh, people say he sounds more like Cookie Monster, <laughs> which is true. I love that. That see, that's it. That's what I love about you guys because you just jump right into the voice. And not only the voice, though, it's the personality of that person. And it's very seamless. Uh, I've seen a couple guys do it. And even even right in front of me, it's just amazing how quickly you swap. Is that just because you spent so much time working on it that it's just you can just jump into it? What's the secret of that? You know, I get asked that a lot. And I, I don't really know, except that I know that most of my life, my adult life has been trying to uh, um, to change my voice as quickly as I could, really for labor-saving and time-saving uh, reasons, you know, um, playing various characters on an audiobook or in a radio show or on stage. And um, I, I enjoy the quick change. For me, it's, it's amusing and it's fun and it's a kind of a challenging opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, for better or for worse, I've gotten just a lot of practice. And uh, and then I noticed, you know, a, a few years ago that audiences really respond to it. So I was like, oh, OK, well, maybe this thing that I think is kind of fun and, and, and kind of pleasant to do and kind of cool. You know, maybe it's something that, that is justified because an audience seeing me live uh, really kind of gets a charge out of it. It's a little bit like a magic trick, you know. Yeah. So that's I, I, I'm, I'm definitely trying to, yeah, I, you know. Like today, I, I did a, a job that I can't talk about for Disney, but I had to do a sound alike. And um, uh, there are certain applications of that art where you, you're probably better to take a little time and to kind of ease into it a little, you know, and, and not switch back and forth so much. And in, in times like that, where I'm doing it in a professional thing, where I'm actually trying to sound convincingly like another performer, mm-hmm. uh, I will just sort of stay in that character rather than bounce back and forth from my own voice. Although I could do it that way, but it's, you know, it seems a little better to just kind of hunker down and really occupy that personality. The the thing you you said about before that I wanted to address is that how long it takes. People always ask, how long does it take and how how long you work on it? And uh, it it really never ends because there's so much in a personality and so much in a voice that you can, you know, you can hope to get, I don't know, charitably 75%, uh, you know, if you could percent, uh, percentage it. Um, and then there's so much more there to always get. Uh, when I first started doing President Bush, I had just a little, I really hadn't heard him very much. Nobody had really outside of Texas. So I, I, you know, I was able to succeed to a certain degree. But when I listen back to those old recordings, I realized that now over the years, I've gotten better and better at it. Better meaning more of his information, more of his wavelength, if you will, 
is something that I've been able to capture and then communicate to others. So is there is there not a point where you look at it and go, okay, I feel like I've pretty much mastered this person because it's always ongoing or, or do you, no, is there yeah, like a I, level I, of confidence? Yeah, I'm not a slave driver to myself. I, I Particularly if, if someone's paid me money for it and I've been in a cartoon or a movie or something, I'm like, yeah, I think this is pretty good. But out of interest, if I am interested in the character, I always continue to sort of analyze it and listen. Plus, it's a moving target. These people are getting older. They're changing. They go through life experiences. Their voices are not, you know, Christopher Walken does not sound today like he did in 1978. Right. Uh, um, and I don't either, for that matter. So, you know, so it's a it's a fun game because you're always sort of, you know, it's just another way to be aware of other people and to appreciate other people. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I, I think it, I... I'm good at maybe one or two lines. Like if I hear something enough, mm -hmm. I can kind of mimic it. I can mm -hmm. never get Al Pacino, like not one word of Al Pacino, because I can't get that grumble that he's got in his voice that's so key to it. Uh, but like a Tony Danza, I've been able to do like a line or two, but that's uh -huh. that's where my skill ends, <laughs> really. Uh, so I really admire people who can who can do it. But is there is there truth to the mirror strategy? Is there is that is that really a thing that that people do where they do it into a mirror? Oh, I don't know too much about that. I don't. I'm not one of those people that uses a mirror. Uh, so I don't, I couldn't speak to that, but I will say that I do look at how uh, an actor holds their jaw in particular. For mm -hmm. instance, uh, Garrison Keillor, I don't know if you know Garrison Keillor, he's a writer, he's a radio personality, and that's uh, out of Minnesota Public Radio, and he holds his jaw very jutted out, he's got a kind of an underslung jaw, and it ch changes the sound, changes mm -hmm. the sound a lot, how you sound. Uh, Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame and uh, oh, yeah. Malcolm in the Middle. When I listen to him on his audiobook and and sort of study his voice, he's a contemporary of mine, so I'm interested, but I'm also listening to see what sound quality there is. And it sounds to me like his, he's keeping his teeth sort of separated all the time when he talks. And that also it just changes the sound a little bit. So I will observe either just through my ears or with my eyes, if I notice something, you know, like everybody knows about Sylvester Stallone is another thing. You know, his mouth's all twisted over one side. So, you know, this is the way he talks. You understand what I mean? That's fantastic. But yeah, that, that's so true. I mean, obviously, the the way our lips are, the way our jaw is, the posture that we have, uh, all those things affect our voice. So yeah, certainly those would, that's, that's very smart for you to study that. Uh, because I think that's one of the things that like amateur people don't necessarily get is they'll just try and mimic the voice and maybe a certain facial feature, right. but not necessarily really dig into it to that level. But that's got to be a huge key to being so good. Yeah, it's part of being that person. You know, you kind of look at that person. Like, how could I really be that person? Mm -hmm. you know, how can I feel their body on mine? How could they? How can I wear that? And so, the better duplication that you can achieve, uh, the more the better chance you have. Mm -hmm. I mean, the other thing too is that we're all you know we have different vocal uh, restrictions. You know, some people have beautiful, deep, sonorous voices. I don't. Yeah. I have a kind of a mid-range voice. Other people have very high voices. Tom Cruise has a rather high voice. I can't really do a Tom Cruise, which I could. Uh, he's a great actor. But um, so you also, but but even that is not always so important because to me, the way I operate anyway, for again, for better or for worse, rightly or wrongly, is that I, I consider the top uh, most important, most crucial quality for an impressionist to capture is the viewpoint of the person. 
mm-hmm. how they look at things or how they're how they're generally seen as looking at things. If they play a lot of characters, you know, what their attitude is, what their approach to things is, how they see the world. That's even more important than the exact timbre, mm-hmm. you know, of, of their voice. Like I saw somebody, I, I, forgive me, I don't remember the kid's name, but there was a high school or junior high school kid. I don't think his voice had changed yet. Who who did this commencement speech? It was all over YouTube uh, a year or so ago, and he did Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, and and obviously his voice was much higher because his voice hadn't changed. Right. But his his grasp of the personalities was so hilariously good that he he just killed the room. I mean, or the auditorium, or the gym, or wherever it was. He just destroyed it. And I was like, ah, here's a perfect example. Viewpoint is the key thing. The mechanics, it, it would be great, but it's not the most important. Yeah, I would think that if if I'm you know, going to see somebody perform and they're doing that, it's it's not just convincing me that you can say things that sound like them. It's jumping into their personality and making me feel like you are them. Like you've become them. And that was one thing I loved about seeing Rich Little perform is I really felt like Johnny Carson had walked into the room and in- inhibited his body and said, I'm just going to control you for a while. It was that <laughs> natural, you know? So I, it, does the voice part come first and then you study the personality or is it all kind of done together? No, it's really, a. I think it's a pretty much to get the thing, uh, you know, you, you, I, in my experience, I, there are certain performers that I just love and I just kind of want to absorb them and uh, I watch them and uh, you know, I can kind of hear them and um, can kind of feel them and it all sort of happens at once, I guess, you know, I don't break it down too much at this point. I'm it's, it's pretty automatic with me. I have so many little, I don't know, training patterns set up in my face and my, <laughs> I have Fram and whatever else, you know, the, to, to pull this off in my mind, if I can hear it in my mind, that's, that's good. You know, I think that mental library is very important. And then I just have to kind of drill in the physicality of it so that I can switch on a dime and become Ron Howard, you know, just like that. And uh, change the way I hold my head and the way I hold, the way I focus my eyes, actually. So, yeah, yeah, very important. Like Al Al Pacino always looks in a different direction from where he's talking. I've I've noticed that. That's right. Always (laughs) another direction. Why not? Well, I, I, you mentioned Ron Howard. Uh, I, I've got to uh, ask you about this because you were actually on one of the most famous episodes of Happy Days when you were young. Of course, your your mom played Marion Cottingham, uh, right. great actress, just just phenomenal. Uh, she's one of those people that like I wished I could come home from school and just have her there to give me a hug and say that whatever happened was going to be okay. Like she was just so warm. Yeah, well, I, I wish that, that too, Scott, I wish that too, but you know where she was, she was at Working. Paramount shooting that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you grew up in, in the community. It seems like it can go either way. It seems like you can, you can say, uh, I, I watched this from an inner circle and I don't want anything to do with this business or I watched it and I think this is an environment I want to be a part of. Was there something that that clicked that that said you wanted to do it? Yeah, it was. It, it, they, those people were having a really fun time. Uh, Ron, Henry, Donnie, Anston, the directors, the, the crew, the writers. It was a unique time in, in American television. It was prior to the big digital age and all that the proliferation of different channels and platforms. And uh, and it was a sweet, good natured time and a, and a time when audiences appreciated that kind of show. We had no zombies that I recall in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And, and you know, it was it was gentle comedy. You see it today, and it's just corny, silly, fun, lovable stuff. So yeah, I mean, as a as a teenager looking at that, and uh, uh, I had not made a full commitment to acting yet because I was still kind of on a path of being a visual artist. Hmm. I was very definitely on that path. I was a cartoonist. I, I wanted to paint, and I eventually uh, had that as my first career. But at the time, I mean, just looking at that world, you're like, oh my god, these people are are doing a fun show every Friday night. Audiences go crazy. They get great ratings. They're making money. Uh, and then in the off season, they all go and play softball together in stadiums. I mean, well, it, it like, seemed like it was a very family or, I mean, the show was family oriented, but it seems like they were a family, like a, a real family, as opposed to a bunch of actors that are working together. And when the, when, you know, when they're done shooting for the day, they all go their separate ways. Like they really seemed unified. Yeah. That, that's you know a little bit of an appearancey. I mean, when the show was done, they did go to their separate homes. They didn't yeah. all go to one big building. But uh, but there was a uh, yeah, like any you know, if you do a play, you've experienced this. You all kind of bond together. You have certain references in common, certain experiences in common, and that's that's a very rich relationship. And and they were on the air together for uh, eleven seasons, I think. And uh, that's a lot of mileage, particularly when you're also being together for a significant portion of the hiatus period. So that right. in between seasons, you're also traveling together and mm-hmm. uh, being on planes together and having these unusual experiences together. It was a very fertile time. And I know my mom just loved it. She still talks about it. And it's a such an amazing highlight. And then, you know, even people... I don't know. I, I don't know how young it goes now. I don't I don't really know that data, but I, I know that people in their 30s today are familiar with my mom and love my mom because of that show. Yeah. And that's this show is pretty old now. <laughs> you know, it, it the is. last one. Yeah, the last uh, show was probably done in 1983. So. But, you know, I feel like it, it has withstood the test of time. If I were to watch an episode now, I feel like I would enjoy it as much as I did when I was a kid. And I'm 50. So that was I was part of the generation that grew up and watched it. Yeah. But, there's other shows that for me that I've, I've gone back and watched and I thought, why did I ever, how could I ever have gotten into the show? But, but happy right. days is one of the ones where I, I like happy days and mash, I think are the two big ones for me where I can go back to those and watch them and go, this is just as relevant to me today as it was 30 years ago. Yep. 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 But the episode that you were on was the infamous jump the shark episode of, of all the ones that you could have done. I know. I know it's become this iconic thing, although the show itself is not particularly, you know, gotten much attention. But that episode, uh, but that phrase, jump the shark, Mm -hmm. which has come to mean, I don't know, how would you define it? it? I think it means the point where it's believed that the show started its decline. Where I don't I don't necessarily agree with those all the time, because I think you have ups and downs. There's good episodes. There's episodes that aren't quite, you know, maybe they rushed it, maybe, you know, whatever happens. Um, but I, I don't think that it's necessarily an accurate phrase most of the time, but yeah, that, that might've been an episode that was a lesser one, which usually location episodes usually get a little weird. Yeah. That one was a kind of a, what I guess you'd call it kind of stunty because it was a two-parter and it had like a lot of other celebrities kind of thrown in, like Lauren Green was in it. I remember <laughs> right. walked by and they said, Marion, Tom Bosley says, Marion, that was Lauren Green. Oh, really? Uh, and, and it had, of course, Fonzie jumping the shark, which is an, rather a stretch from, you know, where the show began, but, but, but that was actually season five of 11. Really? 
Wow, I didn't realize it was that. So I'm definitely going to say that was wrong. Yeah, it was a little. Yeah, I think it's it's a good it's a good analogy, though. People understand it's like when a show starts to do this kind of thing that's that's really outside its wheelhouse. Then you go, man, maybe they're maybe they're straining a little bit. But I don't think Happy Days was. I think it's just a useful phrase. And I was uh, the kid on the beach, 17 years old at that time, uh, who ran by and said, they got a shark out there. I announced the shark. Mm -hmm. So that's a little claim to fame. You set it up and Fonzie knocked set, it over. I set it up. That show could not have progressed without my. Uh... That's right. I I was an I was an extra in uh, the movie Jason Bourne. Uh, if you if you just know exactly where to look, you can see me for a split <laughs> second in the trailer in one of the scenes. But I claim that I'm the unsung hero of the movie. I made the difference. That's right. you know? That's right. Keep claiming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk to you about your your online course that you offer uh, because that looks like a really amazing package. Can you tell us about that? Oh, thanks for asking. Yes, I have a uh, a series of videos that it's a kind of a, a workshop, really, in how to be a working actor. I don't teach you how to act because that's really not something I could do in videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, and anyway, my wife has a really good acting school called the Acting Center here in L.A., huh. and that's where I usually field people too for experience in acting and the craft and the uh, the the art of acting. However, there's a whole another craft which is keeping working, developing a career. Um, maintaining things and and setting up your life to support an ongoing, growing acting career. I've been I've been an actor for thirty five years, uh, principally earning my I mean, not doing other things, but uh, but earning my living as an actor, uh, earning good living, keeping it going. I'm not a big celebrity, obviously, uh, but I am a working guy, and uh, this is. <laughs> This is something that I saw my mother go through before Happy Days. She was a working actress. She supported our family. She was a single mom with two kids mm-hmm. and uh, always did guest spots and movies and and plays and uh, and eventually built that up into you know the career we've been talking about. So I observed what she was doing. I paid attention to what I was doing in New York when I started out, and uh, I made these videos to describe to people, you know, here's, here's what I think is a really good idea to do. If you're trying to keep things going over the long haul, how to uh, deal with certain problems and challenges that come up from the, even from the very beginning where you're like, ah, how do I get an agent? You know, do I need an agent? Right. Um, and what about photos? What about, you know, all these, these mechanical things that you need? I talk about that and I talk about how to, uh, you know, avoid certain pitfalls that I either avoided or didn't, uh, but I can speak to. And uh, I put them all together in these nice videos and uh, they're available at jimworkingactor.com. There's a money back guarantee. So if you don't like them, you can always throw them away. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, you know, I honestly did try to to help other people because I get people coming to me all the time sure. asking about, well, how do you do it? Wow. Look at your IMDb. Look at you, how long you've been acting. I saw you on this. I saw you on that. And uh, I, there's a method to what I've done and I have really uh, worked very hard at it and I paid attention. So I know what I did. And that is what I continue to do. And I'm, I'm very happy to share it with others because at this stage of my career, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to let people know what I've been doing and, and to help them if they can. There's plenty of room. Right now, there's just so much um, production going on, so many series. You know, back in the day, if a star had a, a hit TV series, that was like that occupied their whole their whole schedule. These right. days, stars can have a couple of series mm-hmm. and, and then another... Uh, another movie role and then an animated show and you know, they can have so much they can do so much and and then there's room for other people to to fill in those other jobs too so 
I just think it's a great uh, time for people to get busy. If they really are interested in being an actor, give it a try, uh, give it a shot. And uh, within the course that I've offered, the videos that I've offered, uh, I think it'll answer a lot of questions and can just kind of give you a little bit of a leg up on some things and move you along a little bit faster. Excellent. Well, I, I'm grateful that you did that. I'm sure that's helped and, and will continue to help a lot of people. I've got that link in the show notes for you guys. Also the link to Jim's YouTube channel, because there is a plethora of things to enjoy, as well as you've got some really good tips and things that you put in there. Um, Thank you. There, there's there's just, it's, it's a great place to go swimming for, I would say a good two or three days. You could probably <laughs> uh, spend before you saw everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, watch responsibly. I say you, you can you can go go down the rabbit hole on a bunch of my videos. But yeah, I do try to do uh, weekly kind of tips, free tips, uh, things that I encounter because there's always new things that happen to me in my acting career. Stuff you're like, wow, I never knew this was coming. This was interesting. I never experienced this before because the business itself is changing. The fundamentals pretty much stay the same, but the external things and a lot of little little details change all the time it's it's quite interesting yeah and and you're certainly somebody who has moved with it as it has evolved i mean you're constantly reinventing projects finding things to do when there's nothing going on you create a video you keep busy and that's right that's so important because not only are you providing things for people to be entertained with but you're also doing something for yourself you're keeping your chops up you're challenging yourself and I think we can tend to get in a comfort zone and not really find a reason to push ourselves unless we're given a, a reason to. Right. And and to speak to that, because that's a really good point, Scott. The other thing is when you're an actor, your um, your product or your the thing that you're making, it looks an awful lot like you. It's mm-hmm. your, your body or your voice or the way you move or your ideas and your tastes and things like that. And, uh, you know, at first there's a lot of resistance generally from, from people starting out because they're like, it's kind of like really putting yourself on the line. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little bit like being a door to door salesman sometimes, you know, in terms of like how much, how much are you willing to confront about what you're about to do? And, uh, and, and so it's very easy to go, you know what, there's probably a better way to do this or maybe there's another job I could do or, but the people that do persevere and go, all right, now I'm going to try this mm-hmm. and put themselves out there. I mean, those are the people that we see on, on television and in films are the people that have kind of mastered their trepidation and fear and jumped into it and not thought too much about how badly they could look. I think that is one of the bigger fears is if I do this, will I be typecast? Will, if I don't do well at it, are they going to never want to see me for anything else again? And and it's kind of like, you know, you've got the chessboard and you move one piece and you're like, if I move one, this one piece here, I could lose the entire game. I could understand that fear. But I also think there's so many people that unless you do something incredibly horrible, it's probably not really going to be remembered that you auditioned for this one thing or something like that. I think- we we have a bigger fear than we really need to there. Yeah. Maybe that rule that they have in chess, where if you touch the piece, you have to complete the move would apply well to acting. If you touch your head or if you, yeah. if you make you know some sort of motion in that direction, you have to complete it. Yeah. If you read the sides, you're doing the audition. You read the go. sides. Yeah. If you read the sides. <laughs> well, as, exactly. uh, as we wrap up and, and thank you again, Jim, so much for your time. Where can, where uh, can we find you now? Because you've got multiple things going on again, some you can and can't talk about. So I'll let you lead that part. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, you can see me right now on on the Stars platform in Gaslit, a limited series about the Watergate uh, affair, and Martha Mitchell with Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Uh, you'll be able to see me in an upcoming em- uh, episode of Hunters on HBO, the Al Pacino Nazi hunting show. And you'll get to see me in a wonderful new series starring Chris O'Dowd. If you know Chris O'Dowd, the wonderful Irish actor, it's called The Big Door Prize. And that's coming out sometime this fall, I think, on Apple TV. And I also got another series. I did a lot of little jobs this this year, and they're all popping out at the same time. But Mm -hmm. uh, there's a show in November coming out called Welcome to Chippendales about the Chippendales dancers. No, I don't play a Chippendales dancer, but I play... (laughs) I actually played Phil Donahue, the talk show host Phil Donahue. Yeah, I grew up watching Phil. I, I remember his uh, his he was a really interesting guy to watch. His inflections, the way that he spoke, a very unique individual. Yeah, yeah. So I did my best to uh, bring him to life, and and uh, and then you'll hear me as uh, Colonel Sanders on your KFC commercials. I imagine if you got your radio on anyway, they haven't figured out a way to get it into your house without the radio being on. But uh, you probably hear it. <laughs> Is it is it hard these days to keep track of where your jobs are showing? Because there's so many different outlets between Apple TV and Amazon Prime. And it's got to be difficult to just know where you are even showing. I, I don't even try. I don't even try. I, <laughs> I, 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 it's just too much. It's, it's too hard. I can barely remember, you know, the shows I like to watch. Like, what was that on? We watched it the other night. Was that on Apple? Was that, where was it? Prime? Or I have no idea. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Oh, for the days when there were only three channels. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I'm, that was. I'm grateful for it because it gives us so many more avenues to display our craft, to get jobs for, because there's, you know, Netflix has series, Apple TV has series. So there's right. a lot more opportunities. But at the same point, it's like, okay, so I have a friend that's got a movie that's coming out. Where the hell is it playing? And, yeah. and it does get really, and then you go, hey, uh, I want to see your movie. Can you tell me where it is? And, it, you know. And yeah. It's just a little different these days than ABC, NBC, CBS. It certainly is. There's a whole lot more initials out there. Oh my gosh, it's like they have a whole alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. I, I wish you the best on your ongoing career. Obviously, you're doing very well uh, as you are, but I, I hope that uh, just continues for you because you're very talented and you give back to people, which I absolutely love. I think that's so vital for for people in our industry. And uh, just keep keep doing what you're doing because you're you're doing great. Wow. Very gracious. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jim.